need to unmute that. Good morning. Grace and peace, everyone. Good to be together today. Uh, Pastor Kurt and I, throughout the rest of the summer, we're going to kind of alternate off, back and forth, uh, give uh, one another a little bit of a break. Uh, and so uh, he's taking a little break this morning. Uh, good to be together, uh, for sure. We are uh, about to uh, step into a new section of the book of Mark next week. And so I think it's really, really fascinating about how Mark designs his book and what he, these two stories that he puts back to back before he steps into his stories of quote unquote what we call Holy Week. Uh, that's what's coming up uh, in chapter 11. And so, uh, when you got up this morning and as you were preparing to come this way, uh, there were things that you were feeling. And there were things that you were thinking about. Whether you were like engaged in those with those things or aware of them, you were feeling things, you were thinking about things. Now, tied to those, to, to, to what we think about and what we feel are our desires. I don't think men especially are particularly in tune with our desires, our longings. Like, what do you want? We're kind of taught, I think, to stuff those things down. That if we give too much attention to our desires, there's no telling where that might land us. Uh, but we are actually a ball full of them. Humans are made in God's image to have desires. Now, how we sort through those desires is really, really important. And these two stories that we're going to tackle today, they're stories of desire. No doubt about it. Um, and so I thought it would be good uh, in preparation for this is to pray through the first part of Psalm 37. And just as you, as, as you listen to me pray this over you, just kind of get, try to get in touch with what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And how does that intersect with some of your deepest desires? What do you want? Let's pray. Do not fret because of those who are evil. Or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. When they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. And turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil for those who are who are evil will be destroyed but those who hope in the lord 
Ah. They will inherit the land. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen indeed. All right. So if you'll remember last week, um, you and Pastor Kurt together tackled that last uh, uh, time in Mark's gospel where Jesus says, hey, this is what's going to happen to me. Now, that happened three different times. So let's kind of co- collect our memories about when those those moments happened, when Jesus said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be handed over to evil people, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and on the third day I'm going to rise again. And every time, just completely, completely dumbfounded or went over the heads of the disciples. So the first time it happens, uh, who kind of gets involved in the conversation right off the bat? Remember? Peter, that's right. Peter's like, and it's always, when you say no and Lord in the same sentence, that's usually going to be a problem, right? That Jesus is calling us to something or laying something out for us and we say, never, Lord. All right. Kind of like with your wife. That's right. With your wife. There you go. That's it. All right. The second occasion, remember, Peter, James, and John, they go up on the mountain. Transfiguration. Crazy, mind-boggling, life-altering experience. They come down. The other disciples are having an argument because they can't get this demon driven out of this guy. Right? And so there's this back and forth. And then... They're having another conversation about who is the greatest. Very interesting, right? If you'll flip back over to uh, chapter 9. They, they have this, they have this argument about they, they can't, they can't figure out how to get this demon cast out. And then they have this, uh, uh, let's hold on, make sure I'm getting this order ordered right then jesus after they have that conversation that's when he predicts his death the second time and then that's when they have uh the argument about who is the greatest so get that stuck in your in your brain jesus is saying this is my this is my path you're my disciples and so what he is saying uh kind of cloaked right in rabbi ease is uh if you're my disciple this will be your way too like when he says take up your cross and follow me that kind of thing and so um so they're having this argument they can't get it done he says okay this is what's going to happen to me then they are having an argument again about uh who is the greatest and with the children, right? Sitting down, all that. Alright. So then, you flip over to where we are now. This is in uh, chapter 10, verse uh, 35. He's just done it again. There's always been some conversation afterwards. Peter has the conversation, then the other ones, the other, the other conversation, whenever he c- predicts his death, uh, it's like, wow, uh, help us understand this. Here, it goes right to this 
He, so just get this. He's saying, this is what's going to happen to me. And then James and John step forward. Sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. That's right. So who went up on the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John. Who above all of them should understand what's going to happen? Peter, James, and John. And yet they seem to be the most resistant. Not getting it. So here we go. Are we, are, are we tracking where we're at here? All right, here we go. Verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they asked, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Does that seem like a reasonable request? Like whenever my kids say something to me like that, I'm normally hesitant, right? Uh, here we are. Especially in the context of what Jesus has just said about his path, it just seems a little bit over the top. Verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. You need to highlight that question. It's pretty clear that the motives of the disciples uh, seem to be tainted. Uh, their desires, to use the word that we started with, they seem to be rooted in pride and being in a place where they would be on top. Uh, Jesus has already mentioned things like the first shall be last, the last shall be first, and he'll do it some more. But, man, what a tender question to people who aren't in a good place that Jesus offers them. What do you want me to do for you? Could you answer that question? Like, it's one of the reasons why we spend so much time in scripture is like we, we try to find our place in the story. And like, picture yourself there with Jesus and Him asking you that question. What would you say? Get feet to the back of the line. Say that again? Get feet to the back of the line. You would tell, that's what you want is to get to the back of the line? Oh, to get to the back of the line. Okay. But what about you? <laughs> like, what do you want Jesus to do for you? They replied, they're ready. They're locked and loaded. They are ready. Unlike us, I think it would take us a little while maybe to, uh, cause you know, we want to say the right thing. We want it, we want to get it right. We want to, like, that psalm, delight yourself in the Lord. We want to get that delighting purse first, that, that delighting part right first. And then he will grant the desires of our heart. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your... Mine has glory. Does anybody else have anything else? This story is also told or in Matthew uh, chapter 20. And there, it's James and John's mother 
that comes and makes this request. So it's a little, the story is being remembered slightly different. Here, James and John are doing it. But there, it's the, sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. So I think it's a little bit different there. But nonetheless, <laughs> verse 38, you don't know what you're asking. It's kind of like our teenage kids when they're longing for more freedom and more responsibility. You really want to be free? Like, really? You don't know what you're asking. And they don't know what they're asking because they haven't been able to get in tune or in touch with what Jesus has said about his way. That his way is going to lead to a life of suffering, death. Those two stink, right? But resurrection. Uh, we're quick to say that you know followers of Jesus are resurrection people. But we quickly forget that in order for a resurrection to happen, there first has to be a death. Every time. Yeah, this, this, this way of submission. Really good, Tom. Very helpful. So they, they haven't been able to get in, tune, in touch with that, right? They, it, it's, it's just blown by them. Their, their, their perspective, their understanding of where they think Jesus is leading them is very much in a box of their own understanding and of their own making. And they can't shake loose from it. And that's why Jesus says, you do not know what you're asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, which is the, the baptism of his suffering and death and resurrection? We can, they answered. A very, they're a very confident lot. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. I think Jesus is kind of speaking in code a little bit. Um, we have the benefit of the book of Revelation, and it doesn't seem like anyone is sitting at the right hand of God and of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. But there is this immersive that they are in the center of the city and the walls of the city are the, are actually the people who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. So it's like, there's not somebody right there. It's like completely immersed, like lifted up on the praises of those who follow the Lamb. Alright. These people, these James and John, they have expressed their desire. They want to be on top. Like, so think about that. Uh, there's a lot, there's always a lot of talk in our culture about greatness. Like, who is the goat? Like the NBA finals, are they over yet? Yeah, so the Nuggets, I guess, won, right? So, but there's been all, cause there's this been this talk that LeBron might retire, probably not, but who's the goat? Michael Jordan, that's what most everybody says, but some people want to say LeBron and then some others. Anyway. But, <laughs> there you come on. It's a little bit, yeah, anyway. Alright, so, 
But, like, who's the greatest? Like, just lay that out there. Anybody want to just throw out a name that comes to your mind on who the, who is the greatest? Of what? But, if we, if we, like in our mind, there are certain characters, there's attributes of greatness. And like for athletes, and athletes are like gods in our culture, the most skilled, the most wins, uh, I mean, clutch factor is huge for greatness, right? Like, being able to get the job done when it matters the most. This is greatness, right? Greatness has to do with, in some ways, being on top. So, in the NFL, who's the GOAT? Well, Tom Brady. That's kind of the, 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 yeah, Derek says, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, because he has the most, yeah. So, so kind of keep that in mind. So whenever you have this family and there are these two that decide they want to be on top, what's that going to do to the rest of the group? It's going to tick them off. It's going to make them really, really mad. Um, and that's what happens here. So, so one of the things about our desires, if our desires are not properly vetted through the Spirit of God, it will cause disunity. See, the kingdom is, is, is intended to bring people together. Pastor Kurt always does a good job to remind us that, that Hebrew term basora, the bringing together of all in the kingdom, right? And so whenever we relate to our desires in a way to that we want to be lifted up over, that's going to cause a pushing apart of people instead of bringing them together. So that's what happens here. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together. See, see what he does? So they're at each other. They're being pushed apart. And Jesus brings them together. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. You know how Rome, Gentiles, kept the peace, right? Anybody? The end of a spear, end of a sword, force, violence, right? And you do that by lording your power over them. Verse 43, underline this. Not so with you. So in whatever ways the prevailing culture uh, seeks out and finds greatness, authority, whatever you might say, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, so that becomes the key phrase there, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom 
for many. The desires of James and John to be close to Jesus. Good desire? Yeah. But I think what Jesus was able to do was to say, hey, your desire to be close to me is so that you can be on top. And you got to understand that my way is a way of downward mobility. That passage in Philippians chapter 2. Had this mind, had the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Who, let's just go over there. So I, I, I could probably memorize, take, take, share it back with you most part, but let's go read it. Philippians chapter 2. All right. So kind of, here are the 12. Their relationship is fractured. Ten of them are mad at two of the others because they're wanting these places of power and position. Philippians 2, 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Anybody else have anything there? What's that? Exploited, that's a good one. Did did you say grasped? Yeah, that's the one. That's it. Uh, Let me read it again and use Kurt's translation. Did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. It is the Greek word harpagmas. So we all can talk like a pirate, right? Harpagmas. Harpagmas means to take something, hold something, to use it for your own benefit. Right? That's exactly what a pirate does, doesn't it? It goes and robs ships take to use it for their own. So it, it, it just works. Right? Harpagmas. Yeah. Who being in very, very nature with God did not consider equality with God as something to be harpagmas. Used to his own advantage. Rather, so instead of this, it's like this. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Notice the downwardness of this. Uh, This whole poem, it's this movement downward. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. In order for there to be a, a resurrection, there has to be a death. In order for there to be an exaltation, biblically speaking, there always has to be humility. Always. Right? And so Jesus here, like he's, he's working on their minds. Their, their minds and their desires are not in 
harmony with God's mind. I need to unmute that. Good morning. Grace and peace, everyone. Good to be together today. Uh, Pastor Kurt and I, throughout the rest of the summer, we're going to kind of alternate off, back and forth, uh, give uh, one another a little bit of a break. Uh, and so uh, he's taking a little break this morning. Uh, good to be together, uh, for sure. We are... Uh, about to uh, step into a new section of the book of Mark next week. And so I think it's really, really fascinating about how Mark designs his book and what he, these two stories that he puts back to back before he steps into his stories of quote unquote what we call Holy Week. Uh, that's what's coming up uh, in chapter 11. And so, uh, <laughs> When you got up this morning and as you were preparing to come this way, uh, there were things that you were feeling and there were things that you were thinking about. Whether you were like engaged in those with those things or aware of them, you were feeling things, you were thinking about things. Now, tied to those, to, to, to what we think about and what we feel are our desires. I don't think men especially are particularly in tune with our desires, our longings. Like, what do you want? We're kind of taught, I think, to stuff those things down. That if we give too much attention to our desires, there's no telling where that might land us. Uh, But we are actually a ball full of them. Humans are made in God's image to have desires. Now, how we sort through those desires is really, really important. And these two stories that we're going to tackle today, they're stories of desire. No doubt about it. Um, and so I thought it would be good uh, in preparation for this is to pray through the first part of Psalm 37. And just as you as as you listen to me pray this over you, just kind of get try to get in touch with what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And how does that intersect with some of your deepest desires? What do you want? Let's pray. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. 
For those who are, who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord, ah, they will inherit the land. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen indeed. All right. So if you'll remember last week, um, you and Pastor Kurt together tackled that last uh, uh, time in Mark's gospel where Jesus says, hey, this is what's going to happen to me. Now, that happened three different times. So let's kind of co- collect our memories about when those those moments happened, when Jesus said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be handed over to evil people, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and on the third day I'm going to rise again. And every time, just completely, completely dumbfounded or went over the heads of the disciples. So the first time it happens, uh, who kind of gets involved in the conversation right off the bat? Remember? Peter, that's right. Peter's like, and it's always, when you say no and Lord in the same sentence, that's usually going to be a problem, right? That Jesus is calling us to something or laying something out for us and we say, never, Lord. All right. Kind of like with your wife. That's right. With your wife. There you go. That's it. All right. The second occasion... Remember, Peter, James, and John, they go up on the mountain. Transfiguration. Crazy, mind-boggling, life-altering experience. They come down. The other disciples are having an argument because they can't get this demon driven out of this guy. Right? And so there's this back and forth. And then they're having another conversation about who is the greatest. Very interesting, right? If you'll flip back over to uh, chapter 9. <clears throat> they, they have this, they have this argument about they, they can't, they can't figure out how to get this demon cast out. And then they have this, uh, uh, let's hold on, make sure I'm getting this order, ordered right. Then Jesus, after they have that conversation, that's when he predicts his death the second time. And then that's when they have uh, the argument about who is the greatest. So get that stuck in your in your brain. Jesus is saying, "This is my this is my path. You are my disciples." And so what he is saying, uh, kind of cloaked right in rabbi ease, is uh, if you're my disciple, this will be your way too. Like when he says, take up your cross and follow me, that kind of thing. And so, um, so they're having this argument. They can't get it done. He says, okay, this is what's going to happen to me. Then they are having an argument again about, uh, who is the greatest. And with the children, right? Sitting down, all that. All right. So then you flip over to where we are now. This is in uh, chapter 10, verse uh, 35. He's just done it again. There's always been some conversation afterwards. Peter has the conversation. Then the other ones, the other, the other conversation, whenever he predicts his death, uh, it's like, wow, 
help us understand this. Here it goes right to this. He, so just get this. He's saying, this is what's going to happen to me. And then James and John step forward. Sons of thunder. That's right. So who went up on the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John. Who above all of them should understand what's going to happen? Peter, James, and John. And yet they seem to be the most resistant. Not getting it. So here we go. Are we, are, are we tracking where we're at here? Alright, here we go. Verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they ask, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Does that seem like a reasonable request? Like whenever my kids say something to me like that, I'm normally hesitant, right? Uh, here we are. Especially in the context of what Jesus has just said about his path, it just seems a little bit over the top. Verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. You need to highlight that question. It's pretty clear that the motives of the disciples uh, seem to be tainted. Uh, their desires, to use the word that we started with, they seem to be rooted in pride and being in a place where they would be on top. Uh, Jesus has already mentioned things like the first shall be last, the last shall be first, and he'll do it some more. But, man, what a tender question to people who aren't in a good place that Jesus offers them. What do you want me to do for you? Could you answer that question? Like, it's one of the reasons why we spend so much time in scripture is that, like we, we try to find our place in the story. And like, picture yourself there with Jesus and Him asking you that question. What would you say? Get feed to the back of the line. Say that again? Get feed to the back of the line. You would tell, that's what you want is to get to the back of the line? Oh, to get to the back of the line. Okay. But what about you? <laughs> like, what do you want Jesus to do for you? They replied, they're ready. They're locked and loaded. They are ready. Unlike us, I think it would take us a little while maybe to, uh, cause you know, we want to say the right thing. We want it, we want to get it right. We want to, like, that psalm, delight yourself in the Lord. We want to get that delighting first, first, that, that delighting part right first. And then he will grant the desires of our heart. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your, mine has glory. Does anybody else have anything else? This story is also told or in Matthew uh, chapter 20. And there, 
it's James and John's mother that comes and makes this request. So it's a little, the story is being remembered slightly different. Here, James and John are doing it. But there, it's the, sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. So I think it's a little bit different there. But nonetheless, <laughs> verse 38, you don't know what you're asking. It's kind of like our teenage kids when they're longing for more freedom and more responsibility. You really want to be free? Like, really? You don't know what you're asking. And they don't know what they're asking because they haven't been able to get in tune or in touch with what Jesus has said about his way. That his way is going to lead to a life of suffering, death. Those two stink, right? But resurrection. Uh, we're quick to say that you know followers of Jesus are resurrection people, but we quickly forget that in order for a resurrection to happen, there first has to be a death. Every time. Yeah, this 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 way of submission. Really good, Tom. Very helpful. So they, they haven't been able to get in tune, in touch with that, right? They it, it's it's just blown by them. Their, their their perspective, their understanding of where they think Jesus is leading them is very much in a box of their own understanding and of their own making, and they can't shake loose from it. And that's why Jesus says, you do not know what you're asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, which is the the baptism of his suffering and death and resurrection? We can, they answered. They're a very confident lot. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. I think Jesus is kind of speaking in code a little bit. Um, We have the benefit of the book of Revelation, and it doesn't seem like anyone is sitting at the right hand of God and of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. But there is this immersive that they are in the center of the city and the walls of the city are the, are actually the people who follow the lamb wherever he goes. So it's like there's not somebody right there. It's like completely immersed, like lifted up on the praises of those who follow the lamb. All right. These people, these James and John, they have expressed their desire. They want to be on top. Like, so think about that. Uh, 